Mike had started calling me a few months ago, and I'd run out of excuses, you know, for why I couldn't come. <laughs> I'm used to teaching uh, and talking to teenagers and not to adults, so, uh, so uh, most of my stories are related to uh, teenagers and not to adults, but it's okay. I'm very happy to be here, and I'm really pleased. Uh, uh, it did give me occasion to put my one tie on, and uh, I saw somebody out in the hall who said, oh, Jerry, I hadn't seen you in a long time, but I did recognize the tie, and uh, so, so this is a good thing. And, uh, if you have a Bible, open it to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. I have a friend that works with me with high schoolers who has a great expression I've borrowed and used it many times. He said we must get down on our knees so that we can, uh, often we must get down on our knees so that we can get back on our feet again. And uh, it's interesting to me that we are coming off of uh, the most unusual year uh, in America. Uh, we're coming up to the anniversary of September the 11th. And in the uh, days and weeks ahead, I'm not all the way salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good verse 4 as you come to him the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ verse 6 for in scripture it says see I lay a stone in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may be declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into a wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not, had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. We thank you for your goodness to us, your everlasting love for us, the fact that you um, loved us enough 
to send your Son on our behalf. We thank you for this, and we pray for wisdom as we open your word. Give us uh, insight to what you might uh, speak to us and uh, apply it to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, let's talk about what's happened in, the, in, the, in kind of the time leading up to September the 11th. The uh, 90s in America was a kind of a most extraordinary time. Uh, it was a time of uh, up, unprecedented wealth, uh, unprecedented income. Uh, I read once uh, somewhere where Americans made more money uh, in the decade of the 90s than in, any, than in all of the decades prior to that added together. That's pretty amazing. I mean, we had an unprecedented amount of uh, wealth and favor. Uh, we also had... Um, we felt secure and safe. I mean, we, um, uh, we were, there were no major wars, and we were kind of the big dog in the world. And uh, we'd come off of a desert storm at the start of the decade and a great victory there, and um, uh, we'd established ourselves again as um, kind of uh, a world power militarily. Uh, we had... Unashamedly, uh, we were self-sufficient. Uh, earlier, we had uh, told God that we didn't need him anymore. We had uh, eliminated prayer in school. Uh, the Ten Commandments had come down off of the walls. Uh, even uh, the Pledge of Allegiance now, because uh, one nation under God is under attack. And, and so um, we had uh, told God that uh, we didn't need him. Uh, it reminded me, uh, when our girls were little, they had uh, this little book, and uh, help me with this, Barbara, but, I, I've, uh, but it, it was uh, like a, a book of dolls, and it was, uh, this book was like this thick and only had like eight pages, because, uh, and it was a book that said, um, and the name of the book was, I Can Do It Myself, and it reminded me of where we are as a country right now, because you had this little place that says, I can button my sleeve, and it had a little sleeve there to button, you know, it's, it's to teach you how to do all this stuff. And, and, you, and then you'd open it to the next page and say, I can do it myself. And I can zip up my jacket, and it had a little jacket there, and you'd zip it up. And I can do it myself. I can snap my shirt, and, and I can tie my shoes. And every page that you flipped over would say, I can do it myself. And, and it and it kind of reminded me of where we were in America today, that we had said to God that we could do it ourselves, and um, uh, that we were safe, that we were um, healthy economically, but in, in one day, all that changed. In one day, um, that all changed. And, but what happened... Um, also in that day was I really thought that America made a remarkable recovery in, in one day in many respects. Um, <clears throat> before that day, Congress uh, hated each other. I mean, you had people on this side of the aisle just despising people on that side of the aisle. And, and in one day, uh, I mean, Sam Brownbeck is standing next to to uh, Ted Kennedy singing on the steps of the Capitol, singing God Bless America. I mean, that came about one day uh, as a result of 9-11. Uh, 
Um, our, our heroes changed. Our, our heroes were not uh, overpaid athletes that were squabbling for an extra half a million dollars on their contracts, uh, and it wasn't rock stars and it wasn't movie stars. Our heroes became uh, firemen and policemen. That happened in one day. And um, uh, patriot, patriotism made a comeback. I mean, all of a sudden, uh, uh, you saw all the articles on how many flags were being made in America again. And everywhere, uh, there were flags. I mean, I remember driving down Gage and, uh, and a guy with a huge American flag in the bed of his truck uh, flying, uh, and people were honking and waving, and we felt good about being American again. And um, uh, New York made a comeback. I mean, we even changed how we felt about New Yorkers. I, I, I'm reminded of the time that our oldest daughter, Wendy, went to South Africa uh, on a missions trip for uh, a month, and she was a it was the summer between her junior and senior high, uh, year of high school, and um, she was flying back from South Africa, and one of the things that was going to happen was she was going to spend the night in New York City because her flight arrived at like 8 at night, and then her next flight wasn't at like 8 in the morning. Well, as a dad, I wasn't going to let her do that, so I flew to New York, you know, to, to uh, be there when she got off the plane and, uh, uh, and spend the night so we could fly back to Kansas the next day. And, and um, sure enough, uh, I mean, we drove around in New York. We got a, in a cab. It was our first real trip to New York, and we rode a cab around, and the cab driver said, uh, we asked him where something was, and he, he, said, he said something, and all we knew was he said 104th and Thoyd Street. You know, Wendy thought she was still in South Africa. I mean, she couldn't understand it. And she's going, what did he say, you know? And, and, and that was kind of how we thought about New Yorkers until 9-11. But New Yorkers made a great comeback in terms of uh, how much we admired their uh, grit and how much we admired their resiliency. And so uh, uh, it made a great comeback. Uh, kindness uh, made a great comeback. I remember uh, uh, many reports. Do you remember driving around? Just it just seemed like people were nicer uh, for a while. You know, they uh, they were kinder. Um, they um, put others first. Uh, uh, it's funny we uh, we live out in the country. Um, we moved out there about 20 years ago. We took this family vote, and it was four to one, and I thought I should go with the rest of the family. You know, it's just always best if the dad goes, you know, and uh, uh, so uh, uh, we did that. And, and uh, when we moved out in the country, our kids were like uh, 13, uh, 9, and 5. And uh, Luke's our youngest, our son. He was about a five-year-old. And... Uh, uh, I'd just gotten saved about a year or two earlier, and uh, so God was changing our family dramatically. He was making incredible changes in our uh, lifestyle, and, and um, uh, we uh, started doing family devotions, and uh, we started studying the Word together in the mornings, and uh, we did that for a couple of years, and uh, we were, now we have a little pond in our backyard, a little 
eight-acre pond that this summer was about a six-acre pond because of the drought. But uh, we have a pond in our backyard, and, and uh, Luke uh, was about five at the time, and, and we loved uh, fishing. And, and so Luke and I were out there fishing one day, and uh, we just hardly ever caught anything. Luke caught the things, but uh, uh, it's just uh, I'm not sure why I have a pond in my backyard. But, uh, uh, but Luke's uh, 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 all of a sudden, I catch this two-pound bass. I mean, for me, this is a 12-pound bass. I mean, this was huge. And, and I catch it. And Luke's excited, and he's screaming, Mom, get the camera. And, you know, and, and uh, we pull this bass up. Well, we have a, we lived out in the country. We had a dog and a cat. Uh, the girls named them. We had a dog named Mac and a cat named Cheese, Big Mac with Cheese. And, and uh, so, uh, and, and, uh, uh, I had caught this bass, not girls, sorry, but uh, I caught this bass with one of those treble hooks, you know, those little triple type. It was good for catching bass. And, and so, uh, um, so anyway, I, I get the bass on the, and I take the little treble hook out and I throw it off the side. We were admiring this, this bass, you know, and this, this fish. And, and we were just, Luke's, Mom, get the camera, and, and all of it. And, uh, right about that time, <coughs> um, I'm holding this bass, and I look over, and Cheese has come along, and he has sniffed this uh, treble hook, and, uh, and and can tell that uh, you know there's a fish scent on this. Sorry, uh, uh, and so what does he do? He chomps down on this treble hook, a- and so I look down at Cheese, and I, I throw the bass uh, uh, down by the bank, and it just goes in the water. I just throw it down there, and and I jump on Cheese and hold him. Sorry, uh, but uh, you know, and I'm holding him so he doesn't run away or anything. And and Luke goes in and gets the little um, pliers and and uh, whatever we need to do to, and you know, for a second there, it just takes a minute. We we undo the the hook from Cheese's mouth, and now Cheese did walk around like this for about two weeks but but other than that uh, he was he was fine and uh it was so amazing because if you do family devotions and you get discouraged from time to time i just want you to know uh, uh, I, I, we're sitting there holding uh, holding uh, uh cheese waiting for the pliers to get here and um luke says dad it's just like you're always teaching us i said what and he goes put others first See, he thought about that big bass that I threw back in the water in order to help cheese. And he said, it's just like you're always teaching us. Well, Luke was five, so, so if you do family devotions with your kids, don't get discouraged. See, every now and then, one of these little lessons takes, <laughs> takes hold, you know. And, uh, but um, kindness made a comeback. And, um, uh, uh, and God made a comeback. His name was on uh, the lips of everyone. And um, unashamedly, it was. And prayer was on the lips of people again. And uh, America had a need for God again. And um, we had learned again that we must get down on our knees so that we can get back on our feet again. And... um, we wondered, I know for Christians, we wondered, um, was this the revival that we'd prayed for? You know, Christians had re- prayed for revival in our land for a long time. And, and had God somehow used these horrible events that, that had happened in our country to, uh, for, 
to, uh, for his purposes, had he somehow allowed um, this purpose to be uh, brought out of this tragedy. And uh, uh, what a coincidence it was that we had a president who believed in God, openly uh, prayed. Um, in fact, Christians, I thought, rejoiced when he called for a national day of prayer. Remember the national day of prayer? This had happened on Tuesday. If I remember right, the national day of prayer was Friday. And it was held at uh, the National Cathedral. Now, now because of our diverse country, it, it, was, it was all right. It was acceptable that, that the president had called for a, uh, a, uh, uh, a leader in Hinduism, a leader in Islam, a leader in Judaism, a Catholic uh, bishop. And, but, you know, he had scheduled for Billy Graham to have the primary slot at the National Day of Prayer. And I think Christians rejoiced in the fact that Dr. Graham would be giving the primary uh, message on the National Day of Prayer uh, as a result of this. But then um, uh, Joe Stoll of Moody Bible reported uh, a few weeks after that that, um, that he said, did anybody notice that they'd left out the, the second verse when they all stood to, re- to uh, sing Mighty Fortress. And, um, the, and what does the second verse say that we'd left out? Now, sometimes, I mean, when the church I grew up in, you left out verses because you just ran short of time, you know. But, uh, but they left out this verse. Did we in our own strength confide our straining would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. That was the verse that we left out. Then um, when Dr. Graham stood up and gave this terrific message of hope and reconciliation, um, on, on the uh, in the national cathedral on the national day of prayer, and uh, Christians rejoiced in the fact that he pointed that the only way to heaven, the only way, is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and that uh, that it is uh, um, that Christ is the answer. And then um, it was reported that when National Public Radio replayed the worship service at the National Cathedral, that Dr. Graham's whole section of remarks regarding um, the cross and coming to Christ, reconciliation, had been omitted. And then when you called, uh, they got hundreds of calls and emails. Um, I mean, to be fair, they they said... um, that there had been technical difficulties and they were changing the tape during that time and that that whole section where Billy Graham spoke of your need for a savior um, was omitted as they replayed this service time and time again. And so you began to ask this question. um, Who was... um, their God, and who is our God? 
Lord Sabbath his name from age to age is the same, and he must win the battle. I look at these verses again, 7 and 8. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, a stone that causes men to stumble, stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Uh, Barbara and I, er, Barbara and I, earlier this summer, we went to a uh, we went to a Jesus forum. Uh, we went to a forum in, uh, in another part of the state. We we primarily went there because some close friends who uh, we started a Bible study with a long time ago invited us to go. So we went, and, and um, but we were kind of concerned right after we got there. I mean. We walked up to a lady that we kind of recognized her as a person from Topeka, and we started talking to her, and, and uh, we said it's exciting that we're at a forum to uh, raise up the name of Jesus Christ. And she said, yeah, it is exciting. And uh, <clears throat> so Barbara said, well, what's going on with your family? And she said, oh, um, a lot. My, uh, uh, our son, uh, our daughter, has married a, a fella, and... Uh, uh, he is uh, um, uh, a Muslim, but, uh, you know, his God is the same as our God, and, and it's all okay because uh, we're just here, you know, to raise up the name of God. And it just sort of sent a twinge through us <clears throat> that we wondered, you know, what's going to happen at this forum? And um, we were disappointed in the outcome as they talked about a few things that the Lord Jesus had done, but not who he is and what he's done in our lives. It reminded me, uh, we were <clears throat> channel surfing one time this summer, and we got to this um, program, and I don't want you to think I, we saw this movie, but we saw this program on the Yaya Sisterhood, okay? Now, the Yaya Sisterhood it looks like a major chick movie anyway, okay? Uh, um, this is not Braveheart. This is not <coughs> Gladiator, okay? This is probably... Uh, uh, um, but it... Uh, Barbara and I were kind of fascinated by this commentary on it because they had all the actresses from the Yaya Sisterhood on there, and they kept talking about... Um, that this is a very spiritual movie because it's about friends who were friends for their whole lives, but they never um, challenge each other and they never judge each other and they just accept each other their whole lives for who they are. And, and perhaps some of you have been to the Yaya Sisterhood and there's a little bit more to it than that. <clears throat> but it just kind of told me where we are headed in this country, and it troubles me, because um, when you bring Jesus into the picture, it's a big problem. Um, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. See, you're going to exclude some people, and then you're going to be, then you're going to be blamed for not being very tolerant. And isn't that kind of an arrogant attitude? Well, it's really just the opposite of that. Because it isn't anything that we did. 
It's something that he did. But nonetheless, um, it sounds that way. Um, Larry King, among others, had programs, you know, the week after 9-11, where he had uh, different speakers come on, and he had... Um, Bruce Wilkinson uh, walked through the Bible, and and uh, and uh, he had some guy from uh, California that was out there. But, uh, but he had a variety of, of people on this program to talk to him about um, uh, the impact of prayer and what had happened. And um, and he said and he said something really interesting when Dr. Wilkinson said, "You know, that's why the Lord said." I am the way, I am the truth, I am the, uh, the only way to heaven. And he says, boy, do you know how mad, Dr. Uh, Larry King says, do you know how mad that makes people get? Because you're excluding so many people. What about all these other people? Um, are they all destined to hell? And, uh, and it was just so uh, interesting the way it was twisted. Um, I was thinking about um, John 15, 18. I'll just turn there. Uh, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Years ago, Barbara and I went to a... Um, we were involved in a thing in Topeka called Citywide Revival... It was kind of a blending of black and white churches for the purposes of proclaiming the message of Christ. It was really interesting to go there because although we say it was a blending of black and white churches, Barbara and I were often the only, <laughs> the only two white people in the entire auditorium, you know, and, uh, and, but they always had incredible speakers. We, we loved it, and we uh, in, were involved for four or five years, us and uh, and, and our close friends, the Deisters at that time, we, we'd go every year and, and to this. And, um, and I, I remember one message that Dr. Manuel Scott from Los Angeles, and he was about five foot one, uh, uh, incredible uh, teacher, incredible preacher, spoke. And, he's, and he said, and his message was, if they did it to Jesus, they will do it to you. And see, I believe that, um, that the challenge for us as believers in the decade ahead is this, that it's not going to be, you know, we've endured martyr martyrdom. The question is, can we endure unpopularity? Because it's not popular to trust Christ as the total and completed work in your life. It's popular to embrace everybody. It's not popular to um, um, to be labeled, you know, um, intolerant. And um, that's why this passage in 1 Peter was written. For first Pe uh, in 1 Peter... Um, this was written to first century Christians. And you know how they were labeled? They were labeled because um, they, had, they didn't have a secularism. Uh, no God was not their style. Paganism 
lots of gods. That was their style. And my fear is that this is kind of how we're going in our country. In those days, you, you, uh, whatever craft you were in, you had to go buy a uh, god for that. So if you, um, if you were a weaver, you bought a god for weaving, and you posted that in your weaving store. And if you, were, um, if you mowed yards, you, know, you went and bought a uh, god for mowing yards, you know, and you posted that in your, well, you know what I'm saying. And, and, and whatever you did for a living, uh, if you worked with uh, ironworks, or if you were a musician, you went and bought the god for music. And um, so then the word would get around, if you were a Christian, and you didn't have a little god for mowing yards hanging up in your shop, then see, the word got around. And uh, if, um, um, if you went to the temple and you didn't get a temple prostitute, <laughs> what's up with him? Everybody gets a temple prostitute when they go to the temple. But when first, first century Christians went to the temple and didn't get one, they said, well, this is a little different. And, and so they got, um, they got labeled. And they got, became unpopular. And uh, so... So they clung to Jesus. Now look uh, with me at verses 6 again. Um, For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Um, I've got to get down on my knees so I can get back on my feet again. I think that we'll never be challenged like we are going to be in the next decade with this. And uh, I believe for young people, as they go to high school and college and beyond, they will never be challenged like we will be in the, in the decade ahead because of this. And I think about uh, the guy who was hiking around in the mountains and fell off a cliff and on the way down reached out and grabbed one branch and, um, and yelled for help for a couple of hours and nobody came and so finally he thought well I'm going to die up here if I don't get help and so he yelled out uh, is there anybody up there and God said yes and he said well, who is it he says God he goes oh God um, can you help me yes well what do I do let go. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> See, I just think about that that's where we're coming to in our land. That, that um, because of the fact that we... See, we want to be seen as tolerant. We want to be seen as embracing. And... Um, but who we must embrace is, um, is the Lord. Um, I heard a story uh, recently that, um, that uh, could have been my own story. It was from junior high. And, um, yeah, they had junior high when I was that age. So I tell our, our teenagers, I have a two-word two-word response for every time you say stuff like that. Shut up. And uh, so, uh, um, and when I was in junior high, <clears throat> the big word would be when, was when there was going to be a fight after school. And um, 
one day there was going to be a fight between Terry Pogue and Dick Guthridge. And everybody would walk to the fight after school. And, uh, and <clears throat> you know, Terry Pogue's friends would walk with him. And the whole time walking with Terry going... You know, sorry, this is just kind of. Uh, and, and Dick Guthridge's guys would walk over there with Dick Guthridge, go get him, you know. And, and we would walk to the fight. Now, um, my problem was that um, I was a friend of Dick Guthridge, and I was a friend of Terry Pokes. This is a dilemma. So I just tried to kind of walk over here with Dick's guys, and, and then I would just sort of kind of walk over here. And I'd get over here with Terry Pogue's guys. Hey, you know, and, and at one point, then I kind of walked back, and, and Dick walked over to me and goes, um, Jerry, he said, I noticed that you're walking with me, and you're walking with Terry. And you can't walk with both. Who are you going to walk with? Well, I walked home. <laughs> But his point was real. Because we can walk with the gods of this world. Or we can walk with the God, our Savior. And, and um, because ultimately, Philippians 2, 9 and 10 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. I think the challenge for us over the next decade is going to be who are we going to walk with? Are we going to walk with the gods of this world? Or are we going to walk with the Lord? Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks for this time together. We're thankful for your word that instructs us and encourages us and lets us know that we do not have to walk alone. We thank you for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because we could not do it on our own. There's nothing in us that earns heaven. It's only by your completed work, the fact that you loved us enough to die on the cross for us so that we might not endure hell but that you would pay for us a future that is undeserved, unmerited, but won completely by our Savior. We thank you, Lord, for this. We thank you for this church that upholds your name and encourages uh, these uh, saints in you. And we uh, thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.